0: Times it went too far. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know if that's like death, permanent damage, fucking giving someone PTSD. I don't even fucking know. But apparently cops can keep doing these things repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And all we say is give them more money and uh, reform them. Give them more training. More training will not fix the sadism problem on the police. Just saying. Uh, Let's see. What else do we have here? An act of genocide. Which one? Oh, capitalism is doing more stupid shit during the pandemic. What is what is capitalism doing? Is the market providing for you? Do you feel taken care of? Oh, I see the name Louis Vuitton. This is gonna fucking go well. Alright. Louis Vuitton launches $961 COVID face shields. Great. Love capitalism. Uh, Now that face masks and and shields are officially part of our everyday outfits for the foreseeable future, it makes sense that luxury designers would want to cash in on the biggest accessory trend to come out of the pandemic. A number of brands have already made the foray into fancy masks, but Louis Vuitton is the first to offer a high fashion face shield with the price tag to match. It's just the regular fucking face shield with a border on it. Like, there's nothing. It (laughs) looks just like any other face shield, man. This is going to be the easiest knockoff ever for people who are in that type of hustle game. Uh, The French Fashion House announced this week it will be releasing its elegant, it looks like any other fucking face mask, $961 take on PPE as part of the label's 2021 Cruise Collection. Oh, the irony of having a collection called Cruise, like going on a cruise, going on vacation in the middle of a pandemic with $961 masks. Alright, so these will be available in stores worldwide on October 30th. The shield is composed of an elastic monogram strap that goes behind the wearer's head with a movable shield attached by golden studs engraved with the LV logo. The shield itself is also trimmed in Vuitton's signature monogram print and can be flipped upwards to be worn as a peaked hat. You can do that with the shields we have now. (laughs) Alright, so, if you want to pay 961 dollars for a shield that most essential workers already have, feel free to do so. Just saying. All that jazz. All right. Um, do you want me to go through more headlines? Oh, yeah, man,
1: it 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 logged me out of Audible and changed my password. It changed your oh, yeah, so that's I, I have fun.
0: To a gang of shit. Oh, that's so fun. All right. Let's see. I'm going to just check my Twitter news feed and see what's trending on Twitter. Um, I know I saw an article uh, where they were interviewing uh, workers in construction workers in Ohio, and they were basically like supporting Trump. Yeah, and the uh, there's a quote here. All oh, the cats are trying to get in. You can't get in. Um, there's a quote from someone named Kyle. Of course, it's a Kyle who's a 30 year old electrician, and this is what he has to say about Trump. Quote. He's done a great job. He's got everyone back to work. I'm pretty much 100% for him. He shoots his mouth off, but at least that shows he's honest. What the fuck does that mean? Shooting your mouth off means honesty now? Alright. Um, Jason, a pipe fitter, said he especially liked Trump's commitment to reducing the national debt. He's done more for our country than the past 10 presidents put together, said Jeff, an older builder who was skimming wet concrete on a new road. He said... Oh, this is so embarrassing. Jeff said, he's made, who is it, China or Japan? Pay our farmers billions of dollars. He got healthcare done, which the Democrats would never do. He built the wall. Okay, the wall is not fucking built. Um, nobody's doing health care, Democrat or Republican. And no, our farmers did not get billions of dollars. They're actually suffering because of the global trade war. And if you don't know the difference between China and Japan, you should probably shut the fuck up. Um, But just keep in mind, this is what, you know, the average um, uninformed, working class, blue-collar type voter is saying. And in response, please remember, Joe Biden has no field offices open in swing states. It's almost as if they want to lose, or as if the Democratic establishment already has so much power, it doesn't matter if they lose because it's still a bunch of billionaires who have pension plans and permanent health care. I got mine, fuck you, sort of mentality. Yeah. Really. All right. Um, there is a whistleblower from ICE. I don't think that their name has been released yet. They have compared uh, the conditions in detention facilities to concentration camps and said that there was jarring medical neglect within the facility, including a refusal to test det- uh, detainees for coronavirus and an exorbitant rate of hysterectomies being performed on immigrant women. So once again, the United States is doing what it tends to do with regards to... Um, forced sterilization. This is not new, right? I mean, we've covered stories about it on it here. There was a a group of black women who, uh, black and Hispanic women who were forcibly committed to um, mental health institutions, asylums in the 60s and 70s who were sterilized without consent. This has been a long um, standing American tradition of um, sterilizing women. So, yeah, that's actually seriously fucked up. Um... And there is actually a guy... Oh, this is disgusting. I want to see if I can find his name. I'm skimming the article looking for it. Um, there is a doctor who is doing these hysterectomies, and they call him the collector because that's how many he does. Yeah, that's seriously fucking fucked up. Um, and apparently these women are having this operation done without informed consent. Um, After it was done, the women didn't seem to understand what had gone on or why their uteruses were removed. Yeah, uh, a particular gynecologist outside the facility who almost always opted to remove all or part of the uterus of his female detainee patients. Everybody he sees has a hysterectomy and says everybody's uterus cannot be that bad. We've questioned uh, among ourselves, like, for goodness sakes, he's taking everybody's step out. That's his specialty. He's the uterus collector. So there's somebody who has performed so many fucking hysterectomies on detained women, they just call him the uterus collector. All right. All right. Um, And uh, the nurse's name, who is the whistleblower, her name is released. I take that back. Her name is Dawn Wooten, W-O-O-T-E-N, Dawn Wooten. She was employed at the Irwin County Detention Center in Georgia, which is operated by LaSalle Corrections, which is a private prison company. Uh, Her complaint was filed with the Office of the Inspector General for the Department of Homeland Security by advocacy advocacy groups Project South, Georgia Detention Watch, Georgia Latino Alliance for Human Rights, and the South Georgia Immigrant Support Network. Multiple women came forward to tell the Project South about what they perceived to be inordinate rate at which women in the ICDC were subject to hysterectomies, a surgical operation in which part or all of the uterus is removed. So yeah, that's going on. How we doing over there?
1: Oh yeah, no, I had to um it, it made me make a new uh password for Audible and like log back in and it, and then it like tried to reroute me to Amazon.com. Like it's all just fucking fucked. Yeah, so but I had to handle that and now um we can get to uh to punk ass book jockeys book club. Uh for the most part, uh folks know, some folks know we're in Michigan now. I started the podcast in Florida, off to Illinois four years. Now we're in Michigan. Um, Mostly we're unpacked and put away. Like, the household is unpacked enough to be functional, which it has to be because I have to get back to work in the factory on some tomorrow shit, right? So uh, I'm back in the factory. The wine cellar's back. The household can run well enough. And then from here, um, I can just... uh, You know, from here till like basically Christmas time, I can slowly unpack and reorganize things. And then it'll just be unpacked and fully functional both. And there will be Wine Cellar continuing. We just did a Talk Fury yesterday. Uh, That was Sunday the 13th. Right now it's Monday, September 14th, 2020. And we are ready to continue with the book by Thomas Frank. And the title of the book is the people know a brief history of anti-populism um i stop roughly around every 10 minutes or where i think it is a cool spot to stop so we can riff a bit about what we are hearing thomas
2: frank talk about so let's get to that
1: i am the hip-hop socialist
2: life magazine imagined Brian as the leader of a pirate gang that had attacked the democratic vessel, as Mephistopheles luring the farmer astray. In a more gothic vein, Leslie's weekly depicted Brian's face as a mask, behind which lurked a hideous howling anarchy in a boar's hide and a bat's wings. This was, as the caption put it, the new, not the true, democracy. One of the monster's hands held its name tag. A second gripped the throat of a working man. A third used a knife to cut the dollar in half. Who was really in control of the uprising? Was Brian some kind of mastermind, or was he merely the tool of others? According to the New York Tribune, Brian was, quote, not the real leader of that league of hell, a verdict they handed down after the Democrat lost the election. He was, the paper declared, only a puppet in the blood-imbrued hands of Altgeld the Anarchist and Debs the Revolutionist and other desperados of that stripe. And if he wasn't a puppet or a demagogue, if Brian wasn't fooling when he denounced plutocracy, oh my god, don't even ask. He is a dangerous man! editorialized the New York Sun. If he is sincere, dangerous even as a fool is dangerous when he raises a false alarm of fire in a crowded theater and if a demagogue as he seems to be doubly dangerous. The most extreme note was sounded by Judge magazine in a striking centerfold cartoon depicting Brian as a bright red Satan complete with horns, bat wings, and a pointy tail. As in the Bible story, the demonic Nebraskan tempts the farmer with a vision of glittering cities, rivers, and hills, all made entirely of silver. The implication was not that free silver's promise was false, but that it was evil. A pact with the enemy of all that is rightful and holy. But the farmer, thank heaven, rejects the sinister offer. None of this is to say that demagogues and evildoers and political puppets don't exist in American life. Clearly, they do. Nor is it to say that every politician who claims to love the people is sincere. Many are not. What that original democracy scare insisted upon is that any politician who uses the language of class-based grievance is either insincere or demonic, that any scheme for reforming capitalism by enlisting the votes of working people is most likely a fraud, a con game, a rebellion against God himself. This was not a hopeful way of thinking about democracy and its possibilities. On the contrary, to men of orthodox views, the people were the problem. They were the unpredictable oceanic force that had brought on the populist threat. Dwelling on the people's mutability and menace, Gilded Age anti-populists reached for the most frightening images available to understand how democracy had gone so very wrong. The fight over the 1894 income tax law was an early example. Before the Supreme Court, eminent Republican lawyer Joseph H. Choate described the tax as an instrument of mob rule repeatedly mentioning its populist origins as he made his case. Quote, I have thought that one of the fundamental objects of all civilized government was the preservation of the rights of private property, he declared. I have thought that it was the very keystone of the arch upon which all civilized government rests, and that this, once abandoned, everything was at stake and in danger. Noting that the public supported the income tax and might be angry, if it were deleted, Choate announced that this was even more reason for the Supreme Court to strike it down and remind the beast of its place, quote, no matter what the threatened consequences of popular or populistic wrath may be. John Hay, the author of The Platform of Anarchy, had served as Abraham Lincoln's private secretary during the Civil War, but in later years, as he contemplated what universal suffrage made possible, he began to doubt democracy itself. The people were suckers for demagogues. They were enlisting in strikes and riots. They were becoming the mob. Quote, Most of my friends think Brian will be elected and we shall all be hanged to the lampions of Euclid Avenue, he wrote to Henry Adams. In his pamphlet, he compared the 1896 Democratic Convention to the Reign of Terror, describing it as the sort of thing humans had not seen since the half-demented clubs of Paris, which is to say the Jacobins, when the old French civilization was rocking to its fall, delivered their daily defiances to all existing institutions. Comparisons with the French Revolution were something of a cliché during those days of hate and trembling. Cartoonists loved to depict populists as marching peasants wearing liberty caps, and on the morning after Bryan's nomination, the New York Sun chose to dub the candidate William Jacobin Bryan. The same publications were appalled at the notion that the people should have a greater say in running the place and settling questions that were the province of their betters.
1: Right, microphones uh, back on briefly for a moment here. Again, uh, roughly 10 minutes or where I think it's a cool point to pause it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like, some folks hear the name Jacobin, Jacobin, Jacobin. And they got some decent writing over there. Um, I I mostly hear audio because I'm always on the go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Jacobin comes from something, right? That was yeah. some French folks. Phoenix knows about that oh, shit. Oh, it was
0: just the Reign of Terror. That was after the French Revolution. Uh, where they were trying to like set up a government and it was just sort of chaos trying to get it together because you couldn't get enough people, because there were no political parties, right? All you had was basically a monarchy and now the monarchy's gone and so there's this vacuum and so there was this like um, rush to try to fill it and see what the next uh, phase of government was going to look like but there was also, because they were just coming out of a war, a lot of suspicion and like Did you used to work for the royals and do you actually support the royals and are you actually like opposed to um, economic equality? And so there was like a lot of um, like backstabbing and suspicion and it was just like a very like tense time trying to get it together. Because a lot of people talk about, like, oh, we want the revolution, but there's not necessarily plans for what it looks like after the revolution. Like, what form of currency are we using? Um, What are we doing with people who are in prison? What sort of laws? Like, you know, if we have, you know, I mean, just to compare it to modern times, right? So we complain about, like, you know, Jeff Bezos having money and most people think he has too much money and doesn't pay enough taxes. But there is no, like, consensus. Like, we have a revolution today. We win today. Tomorrow, how much does Jeff Bezos pay in taxes? Or do we just put him on a guillotine? Like there isn't a consensus, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's so, why you need an
1: Emperor William.
0: <laughs> that's why Wra- you need Wrap Emperor up William. the gang of this shit. And so there was a lot of that going on, and just a lot of like, ah, this guy used to work for, you know, this guy was like Jeff Bezos' like personal butler. Cut off his head too. Like there was a lot of that going on. Um, hmm. But no, something he said earlier that caught my ear was he was talking about uh, how people were saying that we should uh, petition the um, Supreme Court if need be to strike down these populist proposals which is interesting to me because every generation is like we have to vote so and so into the presidency because we need the supreme court votes as if the supreme court is like some sort of like perfect impartial thing like even then this is what like late 1800s mid 1800s yeah. they're still like nope it's a political tool we can get the supreme court to write the laws we want yeah <laughs> like shit has never changed the same way that like you know when um what the fuck is his name um Kavanaugh got um on the Supreme Court. Conservatives were like and now we can ban abortion because it's our court. That's the same exact shit they were saying in the late 1800s about. And this is how we're going to break up populism because it's our Supreme Court. So yeah, that shit has never fucking changed. That shit's never been impartial. Like ever. So
1: like if the Democrats really did give a shit about winning, they would actually just run on that. like, And be like, here, you see this Republican headline where the Republicans said we're going to bring socialism to everybody? Yep. We're actually going to fucking do that. And this is our Supreme Court justice that we're actually going to get. Um, we're going to put Ocasio-Cortez on the Supreme Court if you vote us in. Ocasio-Cortez and we're Cortez gonna can't bring, be on the court. Uh huh. It's too young. Doesn't have a law degree. Man, fuck all that. <laughs> we're, we're all right. So we're going to pass laws. All right. So if you get us in, we are going to. Um, is that a is that a constitutional amendment? I don't know. Okay we need to find so. out we need yeah. to find out what white man wrote that rule that we have to follow for some yeah. reason.
0: And I, I mean upend it. Honestly, if they wanted to run on a Supreme Court nomination, the wisest thing to do would be um, we're going to make sure we uh, are putting in somebody who is going to support universal health care and make Roe versus Wade a part of it. That would be the way to win. Yeah because then we would get universal health care and protect um, abortion rights.
1: And show your list like show your list of what 12
0: to 15. Trump gave us his list. SCOTUS picks. Did Biden? I don't think so. The fuck is Biden running on? He's not Trump. Jesus. I mean, he's running, he's running on a fake progressive platform. Cause he's saying shit like, um, he's going to a green deal, but he still supports fracking. So it's not that green. Um, 15 out $15 an hour minimum wage, but nothing about, um, cost of living caps and, um, affordable housing. So housing is just going to go up. Um, Repealing student loan debt, but you have to be in good standing for twenty years consecutively to have your shit repealed. Indentured you know, servitude, which nobody's going to be able to do. So that's not. But yeah, he's saying all the things. Then like you get to the fine print, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, you know,
1: it's that. It, it's a long form version of Obama saying make sure everybody gets a fair shake. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that bullshit. And then I, I'm noticing, like, toward the end, before I paused it, he he was like, uh, he was talking about how the publications just couldn't believe these motherfuckers yeah these poor pieces of shit running their mouths and they would depict them as the jacobins but like you said Mm. poor people in shitty little busted hats marching and it's like now we could easily say yeah msnbc fox news cnn they're just the same but i remember in the source magazine in the 90s they had media watch and i'm thinking like Well, who watches the media? Watch Mm -hmm. because, like, somebody like Bob Seska can present himself as media watch because it's his own outlet. He has his own website, his Mm -hmm. own Patreon. Yeah. But Bob Seska says the same bullshit they say. Yeah. So who's watching the watchers? That's
0: something that I've really been trying to focus on with my own language when I'm on social media. Is instead of saying like mainstream media, I'm saying um, corporate uh, corporate backed media or or media outlets that use corporate-backed opinions. Yeah. Because there's a difference between, like, because you can be independent, but if you're still saying the same shit as what's on MSNBC or Fox News, you're not independent media. You're still giving us corporate-based opinions.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But then, like, and then, but then we're like, oh, don't worry, we got that kind of watch with people, like, I keep saying, like, I want to turn, I do not, basically, I don't want crossover audience with Crystal Ball and Sagar. As far as, like, audience where you really dig it, because they're fucking dirty over. Th- Ever since they did the rape culture thing, I'm like, fuck them niggas, fuck them niggas, yeah. okay. And um, and remember, they also did the thing where they were arguing that cancel culture is real. Yeah. Now, why do people argue that cancel culture exists? because they don't want your working class ass that doesn't have a blue check by your twitter and you're not going to make a cnn appearance they don't want you talking about what you need we get paid to tell you what you need motherfucker
0: again what was that capitalist um image i was talking about where it was like the tears of people and it was like the people on the bottom were starving people the top were like don't eat we'll eat for you
1: yeah Phoenix, the leader has trouble because we're having a conversation so she keeps turning to look I at do. me but she turns <laughs> her head away from her microphone i do and that's why it's set like I, my decibels are like this because i'm consistently speaking directly into the microphone i am not
0: consistently speaking into my microphone <laughs> okay. and you all will fucking deal with that shit. because
1: phoenix is midwest polite and she faces the person <laughs> she's talking to all right thomas frank the people know and shout out to the homie loco that i saw um tune in uh heather loco tuning into the joint all right let's play some more um the people know a brief history of anti-populism
2: then as now faith in the people's wisdom was thought to be populism's original sin Brian was mocked in the nation for supposedly starting his speeches with empty salutes to the genius of the common people. Quote, your wisdom is inexhaustible and infallible. He was parodied as saying, I tell you that you are so great that you can ignore the rest of the world. A cartoon in puck imagined Brian on his whistle-stop tour blowing the same sort of bunkum out of a bellows at a crowd of happy farmers, snaggletooth idiots wearing long agrarian whiskers. Brian was driving them to ecstasy by saluting the wisdom of the hayseed. Our people are capable of ruling. They do not need the lessons of history. They have nothing to learn. They do not care for the experience of other nations. They know it all. Study and science are of no account. The popular intuition is better than reasoning, and what the people say goes. The imagined message that the people had no need of experts, sent fear and outrage reverberating through the establishment. To the suggestion that the economic system be reorganized to benefit ordinary people, the financial elites replied, that's not how it works. We direct things the way we do, not because we are greedy, but because we know how they're to be directed. Quote, a capitalist system had been adopted And if it were to be run at all, it must be run by capital and by capitalistic methods, recalled Henry Adams years later. For nothing could surpass the nonsensity of trying to run so complex and so concentrated a machine by Southern and Western farmers in grotesque alliance with city day laborers that populism is at war with intellect that it is an offense to meritocracy, this lasting axiom can also be traced to the original democracy scare, when populism threatened to level both the hierarchy of money and that of established expertise. The institution where these two hierarchies came together was the gold standard, the bedrock of both classical economics and the banking system. For the populists, as we have seen, The elite's faith in gold was a favorite target for mockery. But for establishment figures like John Hay, the only legitimate way to settle the currency question was, by the investigations of the leading economists of the world gathered in solemn contemplation. The conclusion of such a gathering was certain. One couldn't adopt a silver standard in just one country and hope to succeed. America's economy was locked, in an international system regulated by responsible expertise, Hay intoned. And upon this reasoning, everyone who was anyone agreed. Quote, all the intelligent bimetallists of America, all those of England, all the German scholars agree in this. A funny thing about that proud scholarly consensus of the 1890s, it was wrong. As we now know, The gold standard was an archaic system that needlessly ruined millions of lives. Americans eventually replaced it with a fiat currency, just as the populists advocated. In this most consequential democracy scare of them all, the cranks turned out to be right and the experts to be wrong. Suppose you knew with utter certainty, however, That the reformers had it wrong and were pursuing an absurd and dangerous doctrine. How would you explain this mass enthusiasm for a false idea? Why, you would turn to what John Hay called the mental constitution of the person who believed in it. Quote, You do not want to argue with him, you want to feel of his phrenological bumps. Decades later, the historian Richard Hofstadter would famously assert that what populism reflected was status anxiety and even a paranoid style. His larger insight, which revolutionized social science in the 1950s and which persists in the anti-populism of our own day, was that mass protest movements in general could be understand as a reaction of maladjusted minds to the advance of modernity. In truth, however, Hofstadter's discovery had already been made back in 1896 when populism was repeatedly diagnosed as a form of mental aberration. In September of that year, as the exciting presidential campaign unfolded, the New York Times announced the alarming discovery. William Jennings Bryan appeared to be clinically insane. It began with a letter to the paper from an anonymous alienist or psychologist who examined Bryan's heredity his heretofore mediocre career, and his behavior on the campaign trail, and concluded, quote, without any bias, that Mr. Bryan represents in his speech and action striking and alarming evidence of a mind not entirely sound. Proof? The candidate was an apostle of an economic theory without ever having a training in economics. It was a scary situation, the alienist continued. After all, having, quote, a madman in the White House would not only be dangerous, but it would also damage democracy itself, since it, quote, would forever weaken the trust in the soundness of republics and the sanity of the voting masses. The letter evidently caused a sensation. And the Times proceeded to mine the story for all it was worth, interviewing other professional psychologists and debating whether Brian's obvious brain sickness was that of a, quote, mattoid or a paranoid. Economists concurred in the diagnosis. J. Lawrence Laughlin of the University of Chicago analyzed the agricultural unrest or the Atlantic Monthly, and quickly turned for his explanation to the minds of the populists themselves. The reason they didn't understand their true economic situation was because of a peculiar malfunction of their mental processes. Laughlin concluded, quote, once the single-idead brain has been occupied by a theory or craze, he announced, the gate to all other ideas is thereby closed. In a brain incapable of economic and judicial reasoning, the one idea now in possession engenders prejudice and even in an emotional nature, frenzy. This class of minds may not always have the same craze, but in its undereducated way, it is sure to have one of some sort. The subject of the fanaticism may change in time, But with the fanaticism, we must always reckon so long as the undereducated class exists and wields a large political power. Moreover, the problem of the undereducated man capable of holding but one idea at a time was made worse, Laughlin charged, by the problem of the demonic manipulator who sees in hard times an opportunity to mislead the gullible. Quote, And the skill of the tempter is satanic, he continued. I doubt if ever in our political history we have had more adroit manipulation and strategy than have been displayed by the managers of the silver party. The professional economist proceeded to blame the whole populist uprising on, quote, the great silver conspiracy, the equal of which has never been recorded. A most... Lamentable comedy was the title that small-town newspaperman William Allen White gave to the anti-populist novella he published in 1901. A thinly. A brief pause up,
1: because what he was saying about like, oh, look at look at the wacky bastard. As they were saying, like uh, being all ableist and whatnot, as they tend to be. Uh, they're like, oh, look at this wacky bastard. You know, he's. uh now with joe biden joe biden's not a populist yeah and that charge against him i don't really know because i don't know shit about dementia i don't know if i can just hear a person talk and say oh clearly that's you know because i hear you know cats like um what kyle Kulinski mm-hmm. is very comfortable saying that i haven't heard uh katie halper's program in almost a year now but uh I know I've heard her say that earlier in the game, like, uh, 2000, um, like 2018, like Joe Biden's, you know, that motherfucker's on some shit, but I don't know. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I don't know if it's dementia, but I definitely think like something is wrong. And I know people say, well, if he has a speech impediment, it's because he's stuttering. But what is really getting me is going back and listening to his old interviews like before his hair was gray, and he, even if I didn't agree with what he was saying, he could fucking string a sentence together. I mean, although to be honest, I would say the same thing about Donald Trump, um, is that even in Donald Trump, even though like they were on some bullshit, they were able to put sentences together, being able to express themselves and give eloquent ideas, and now it's like you can't, it's like Dr. Seuss on acid, like trying to fucking yeah. get a sentence out of them, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's like dementia or what, but it is bizarre to me um, because it doesn't seem like average decline over time because there's still fucking people in their 90s who can still like Betty White can still construct a sentence. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> and um, like when Sanders really first uh, went. When they realized that Sanders wasn't a joke, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because obviously it looked because really, if you look at the beginning, he was damn near just standing on milk crates in front of like 20 people. Yeah. Most bizarre fucking campaign that he started in 2005. Not bizarre, but I guess it is bizarre to see a campaign that's not largely funded. Right. You know, and they immediately went after the hair, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which I still think he shouldn't have started combing it. He should have kept it like that because that was that was like a part of him he was a political mad scientist Mm -hmm. and really to my understanding he's the only like big name politician on a national level of which he's in politics because he has a degree in political science Mm -hmm. everyone else is as neil degrasse tyson um accused rapist said uh you look through congress it's lawyer 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 business owner business owner business owner lawyer 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's fucking congress yeah like quite frankly i don't think any of the bills have to be written in legalese that's a fucking choice it is yeah quite frankly and again a lot of shit is just like i guarantee you like if i were a forced birther and i was on a state senate thing And while I'm saying my forced birth bullshit, I use the word vagina, people would be like, well, he's just speaking scientifically. He's talking about... But when that Jewish woman up there, mm-hmm. and oh, they hate when them Jews get up and run their fucking mouths. <laughs> it's, it's damn near like they're niggers. And um, that Jewish woman got up there and used the word vagina talking about her own, a cis woman talking about her own reproductive rights.
0: Yeah.
1: They shut her down. And if I remember right, they had her removed. Do you remember that shit? Yeah. It was like Minnesota or something. It was some time ago.
0: Yeah, because it was, like, and inappropriate or something. Yeah, but yeah. really,
1: you could put the word fuck in the bills. Like, I want to see a bill that says, fuck the landlord.
0: I just want it- to see a bill that's written in, because, like, what is it they say with, like, the president when he makes speeches? They're supposed to be made at, like, a sixth grade literacy level so everyone can understand it. I want to see bills written in a sixth grade literacy level.
1: Yeah. Because isn't it that, because, and I tend to do this without Phoenix, because this is me doing wine cellar overtime. When I'm covering a bill, I'm struggling. Yeah. Because that shit is hard for me. But
0: then, of course, you know, then you also come back to, they continue to keep doing it, even though they ha- don't have to, which means it's probably intentional as a way of ge- keeping people out. Because if you don't have a law degree and you don't speak legalese, how are you going to be able to critique the bill? Because you don't know what the fuck it says. Yeah.
1: Yeah and um and and then and then back to the um where they're like oh this person's just too wacky and like we could point it to where they're like look at the way he moves his finger that misogynistic bernie finger which is what t- people typically do in debates to tell the moderator that you have something to say yeah. and you want to stay on this topic but as soon as it's this loudmouth jew for some reason people get real mad when jews talk it's like they're niggers or something <laughs> um when this yes. loudmouth Jew does it, now it's a fucking problem. Right? And then um <clears throat> and I'll never forget this fucking clip, right? Let let's do a little dance back to 2016. Oh. You no. got you gotta love handsome Van, beautiful fucking Van Jones, great looking brother. Let's listen to how his gorgeousness is exploited.
0: Uh my apologies in advance if we have to pivot away and go back to uh to New Hampshire, but Van I, Jones, I won't mind.
2: I won't mind.
0: You won't you won't take offense? Okay, thank you. Um, Van, let me begin with you. Listen,
1: uh, on the Democratic side, there's sort of like two schools of thought. The fact that you look at Iowa, Bernie Rose, you know, he almost beat Hillary Clinton in in Iowa, or, or the fact that there really was this massive voter turnout, all kinds of young people, and still he lost. Which camp are you in? Well, I, I'm in the in the camp that says uh, anybody who is a 79,000-year-old uh, <gasps> Muppet-looking socialist oh, <laughs> who comes, comes with Because I, I love Bernie Sanders. If he, if he... And how disingenuous was her? Oh, yeah.
0: man. Yeah, that was not Midwest polite.
1: Well, like, that, that was very much like, as adults, Let's not bullshit ourselves. Yes, you love your kids. You know that bullshit drawing they did doesn't belong on some damn refrigerator. Oh,
0: it looks great, sweetie. Thank you. <laughs>
1: no, it looks it looks like shit and you know it you All want right? to
0: encourage the children to have a healthy self-esteem.
1: Oh, then just well, if you're children now see I, I I only have one lane. I don't know if you're white and you're raising white children, you do what you gotta do. If I'm black and raising black children, for the most part, first thing is when I set them down in front of a screen for some entertainment, I'm going to put them in front of black people. And when I'm talking in front of that child, I'm not going to talk about a black person and say, look at this old nappy headed nigga. I'm going to say, oh, looks like that brother's having a hard time. It's not too hard to give black children, black self-esteem, black parents out there. Alright, that's what I know. If you're white and you got white children, you know what you gotta do. Ha- handle that, I don't know, head lice, fix it. Do, 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 <laughs> ha- handle your business. All right, I, I know how to ha- uh, raise a, a, a black child, because I was one and I saw what, how I was raised. Alright, figgety, figgety, fuckity boo. Alright, back to um, to uh, <laughs> the book Thomas oh. Frank what up? Yeah, I was
0: just gonna add one more thing what's interesting is they were talking about the um, supporters of the populist party and the silver party and like calling them basically like essentially calling them crazy because they wanted um, populist policies and saying that there must be something it's like fucking a drapedomania right like that was a uh, slaves were diagnosed with drapedomania if you ran away from a plantation you had a psychological disorder because you should want to be a slave it's the same type of shit, is that there must be something wrong with you mentally if you don't like the system that we live in, and that is a higher level of gaslighting. <laughs> like honestly,
1: or, it, like if a woman realizes that oh shit, I'm, and again being pretty basic here, uh, cis women, um, you know, because that that's what i mostly know about (laughs) but uh if if they have a cat Mm -hmm. and not a man yes crazy cat lady which frankly i i don't know right now it's 2020 and i don't really watch television like i used to let alone the simpsons i don't hate it i don't think i'm um intellectually above the simpsons i love goofy shit but i just don't watch it as much but crazy cat lady was a pretty regular character on that show Uh-huh. and i don't know if they still have that character if maybe they were like let's go ahead and just silently phase that out i don't know but i wouldn't be surprised if they still have that as a character and don't even see the propaganda they're still pushing by the very existence of that fully fictional character there's no such thing as a crazy cat lady it's not real it's just like how there's no such thing as a slut there's no such thing as a thought it's bullshit that men made up to uh am i i don't want to say gaslighting don't want to use gaslighting for everything
0: It's actually gaslighting. It is gaslighting. Well, because the assumption is that um, there's nothing... You're doing something that makes you happy, but you should feel bad about being happy because it's not what society tells you should make you happy. So, like, the idea is that you're crazy because somebody else wouldn't be happy doing what you're doing. So there's something wrong with you. And that gets fucking weird.
2: Um, But yeah. I think it's
0: gaslighting. (laughs) I think it's gaslighting. (laughs) Um, Because that's the thing is because we don't just let people in these situations be happy we tell them as a society that you're not actually happy you have cats because you can't get a man because you're not happy and you're not happy being a cat lady you're not happy being alone you know just all these sort of sorts of things i think that's why it's gaslighting is because society is looking at people happy who are happy and saying no you're actually not happy you're just hiding it (laughs) so i think i think that's why it's gaslighting but um, yeah, just the interestingness. And again, you know, I keep saying this about this book is that like nothing has fucking changed as you know, time marches on because what do they say about Bernie bros is, oh, all they talk about is like Medicare for all. Right. And, uh, you know, these, they're just one track mind. And what are they saying about the populace in the late 1800s? Oh, they're all crazy because they believe that they have rights and they don't like their position in society. And all they talk about is economic equality. That's they're obviously mentally disturbed because that's all they talk about and what they say about Bernie supporters all he talks about is taxing the millionaires and the billionaires right and he's crazy his fans are crazy it's the same exact thing that poor people are like fuck this shit we want something better and they're like clearly you're mentally ill because you want better things in life
1: <laughs> right and i understand why the average black voter is gonna pick democrat over republican and it's fully bullshit when republicans run the talking you're on the democrat plantation nigga your party is the one with the Confederate flags but you're talking about the democrat plantation yeah. nigga shut your whole entire face all right, uh, back to some Thomas Frank. I'm gonna I'm gonna click the 30 second back button because I think he was um, starting like a new segment when I did pause it. All right, the people know a brief history of anti populism. Hold up, uh, let me uh, take a look at the um, archive chat space on the Facebooks just in case. Okay, we still have Heather Loco left a comment talking about um schools still segregated, but we still have to bend the knee. Uh, because uh, Brown versus Board of Education, liberals can fuck off with that scare tactic. Mm-hmm. Alright, and that's a fact-based fact from Heather Loco, friend of the wine cellar, as it were.
2: Alright, Thomas Fridank. The one idea now in possession engenders prejudice, and even in an emotional nature, frenzy. This class of minds may not always have the same craze, but... In its undereducated way, it is sure to have one of some sort. The subject of the fanaticism may change in time, but with the fanaticism we must always reckon, so long as the undereducated class exists and wields a large political power. Moreover, the problem of the undereducated man, capable of holding but one idea at a time, was made worse, Laughlin charged, by the problem of the demonic manipulator, who sees in hard times an opportunity to mislead the gullible. Quote, and the skill of the tempter is satanic, he continued. I doubt if ever in our political history we have had more adroit manipulation and strategy than have been displayed by the managers of the silver party the professional economist proceeded to blame the whole populist uprising on, quote, The Great Silver Conspiracy, the equal of which has never been recorded. A Most Lamentable Comedy was the title that small-town newspaperman William Allen White gave to the anti-populist novella he published in 1901. A thinly disguised account of insurgent politics in Kansas, White's novella is completely forgotten today. Once upon a time, however, it was highly regarded. It was quoted in history textbooks and recommended to curious foreigners by President Theodore Roosevelt. In White's telling, populism was a form of mass hysteria, a mental epidemic that swept the region west of the Missouri River and that, quote, held the people in a grip as vicious as a bodily distemper. His novella incorporates virtually the entire list of frightful characteristics that pundits of the day attributed to populism. Democracy gone haywire, the people transformed into a mob, churches and schools and other beloved institutions of small-town American life subverted by a demonic force. It was a fanaticism like the Crusades. Indeed, the delusion that was working on the people took the form of religious frenzy. At night, from 10,000 little white schoolhouse windows, lights twinkled back vain hope to the stars. For the thousands who assembled under the schoolhouse lamps believed that when their legislature met and their governor was elected, the millennium would come by proclamation. They sang their barbaric songs in unrhythmic jargon with something of the same mad faith that inspired the martyrs going to the stake. As for populism's so-called issues, they all arose from what White called, quote, the chief hallucination of the mania, which was that the people owed more than they could pay, or injustice should be asked to pay. Times were hard, farmers were in debt. But so what? For the farmers' crisis, White's sympathy was close to zero. White describes the farmers holding their meetings, singing their stupid protest songs, and, quote, cursing wealth for its iniquity. Their rebellion against the successful was so profoundly misguided that White calls it a rebellion against mind itself. Quote, reason slept, and the passions, jealousy, Covetousness, hatred ran amok, and whoever would check them was crucified in public contumely. In this climate, the right order of things had been inverted. Quote, persons with reason were in disfavor. Losers prospered. The learned were ignored. The old leaders were cast out, and professionals were replaced by cranks. The doctor, lawyer, merchant, and chief were shoved aside for the horse trader, the sewing machine agent, the patent right peddler, the itinerant preacher, the tenant farmer, the lawyer without clients, the schoolteacher without pupils. White's novella tells the story of one of these cranks, a town infidel given to socialist politics and street corner oratory who somehow becomes the leader of a local chapter of the Farmers' Alliance and is then swept by the lunacy of the moment into the governor's office? This character's one real talent is public speaking, which he has sharpened and perfected into a form of hypnosis. And in describing his performance at the state populist convention, White's horror transcends his prose. The speech could not be reported any more than the gyrations of a serpent charming a bird may be put in words. As the wind makes billows in the prairie grass, Dan Gregg, who was not Dan Gregg, but a magician, swayed the great crowd at his whim. The delegates laughed, they cried, they shuddered, they clenched their fists, they cheered and knew it not, and orators and auditors, chained together by a common frenzy, that each produced upon the other went out of reason together. This passage shows the obvious influence of the French social theorist Gustave Le Bon, whose book The Crowd, William Allen White acknowledges having read and admired when it first appeared in English in 1896. Le Bon's most famous assertion, which White here applies to his fictional populists, was that ordinary people... When gathered in crowds, becomes psychologically subhuman, akin to a person under hypnosis. Laban, who was no fan of democracy, also charged that crowds were irrational, impulsive, suspicious of progress, and fond of authoritarian leaders, precisely the bill of accusations that later generation of American social theorists would use to blast what they called populism.
1: And that's a good place to end because the Facebook live motherfucking is not alive anymore. It is very much Facebook dead. And I will be leaving a one star to Facebook for that failed performance. Yes. But the podcast audio will still be the same. It's going to rock how it's going to rock with the, the podcast audio will be crispy. All right. Because we always do an internal recording. So if you are tuned in on blog talk like that wasn't glass right i hope not that sounded like metal hopefully that was just metal maybe a fork fell that sounds good we're hearing things from the other room uh, fucking the uh <clears throat> yeah so the uh the podcast audio will be there if you're tuned into blog talk that is telephone audio when it's live it's very um low megahertz but i do an internal high definition recording and then i just upload and replace that as soon as the broadcast is done and sometimes it bugs me because like it might take me like an hour to make it happen or something i have to do something else in the house yeah and then i'll look and it be and it'll say like oh 57 downloads and i'm like god damn it no don't download it yet <laughs>
0: shit you wait, it's not ready it's not ready really. you like, got the like bad like uh what the hadians uh, the, uh, she she's talking about her grades and her dad is like, let me see your program. She's like, it's not ready yet. Oh, <laughs> that's... Go back and argue with the teachers.
1: And then you got to, well, like, I'm, I get that there's like a joke inside the joke there that that's what you would say if you're being raised by a lawyer. Yeah. Like, that's a good lawyer-ass answer. All right. Uh, so... That should be that ambition. Did you have any uh, thoughts on the, la- the last um, uh, I didn't
0: have a ton of thoughts because I've never heard of this novella he mentioned before. But I'm going to try to look it up and see what I can find about it. It sounds interesting. Um, but the way that he's framing it, it sounds like it was written as a satire piece. I wonder if um, it was accepted as a satire piece when it came out. Like, I'm very curious about that. Because, um, like, you know, now we have shit. Where, well, like, I think I told you about the um, cop where someone, like emailed a cop and said they were like with the New York Times or WAPO or something and were like Antifa rules and cops suck and the cop literally took like a screenshot of email from an obviously troll account and was like this is what the media saying about us no wonder there's a bias so I wonder if it was like that sort of situation where it was clearly something um, that should have been understood as satire but people on the opposite side of the political spectrum were like this is how they really are so yeah I, I want to look it up and see because I don't I don't know this novella
1: yeah all right and i am and i i'm not fucking around i left a one star review to facebook for the shit ending abruptly lagging the and before it lagged the video quality just went to shit
0: oh really yeah like
1: in those last few minutes like mm. the, vid, the yeah like the video got all fuzzy like it looked like television and it's like no we've got like wi-fi and shit it shouldn't be that bad like come on no my means way all right And Phoenix Leader, you're about to record a Swapcast.
0: I do have to record a Swapcast.
1: Okay, so we're going to wrap this up, and Phoenix Leader is going to uh, get ready to start recording a Swapcast. While you get your show notes together, I will upload the audio that folks expect to hear. And if you want uh, more programming where the Facebook Live gets interrupted and we're (laughs) very calmly angry about it, (laughs) Uh, you can hit us up at Patreon.com slash fund. Join the 80, 80 people, 80 motherfucking people think that it's worth yeah. uh, uh, paying a, an, an optional tax for. Yes. And you could pay that optional tax as well. You could throw something at one of the tip jars, uh, PayPal.me slash Phoenix and William. Patri- uh, uh, the Venmo is at Wine Cellar Media Fund some of the homies hit up the Venmo you goddamn right I get some lettuce with that I eat it with my face and I survive yes. uh, and there's the cash app uh, dollar sign Phoenix Collider uh, I don't know I'd be at work and I'm sure Phoenix is getting something that is useful oh. <laughs> chicken Gatorade whatever yes. the fuck um,
0: Gatorade and tea um, a lot of tea because I had to um, I'm still waiting for my doctor's appointment To get my iron infusion So my iron is like ridiculously low right now So I'm actually doubling up on taking iron supplements And it's really hard on my body Like physically <laughs> To take that much iron Yeah I'm getting like six per, 600% of the daily Recommended intake of iron right now mm. um, It's really hard So yes um, anything that I can quickly prepare In like tea to make me feel better Because it's really hard to digest So thank you
1: and folks, uh, again, the wine cellar is going to start coming to you at some weird hours Yeah. for those that regularly tune in live or for people that are like when you reload your podcast feed. It's going to come at different hours because, again, for the first time in 11 years, <laughs> I'm going to be on fucking afternoon to night shift. I'm going in at 3 p.m. and I'm getting off at 11 p.m., which also means I need to train myself To not just get up and start the day when I wake up because I like I'm not going to be getting to bed till like 2 a.m. and shit. Right. So I need to really actually like deliberately sleep till like fucking 10 or even if it's not asleep. I need to be laying down and not moving my body around. So uh, that's something for me to get used to.
0: Yeah, it'll be easy. It'll be all right.
1: It's easy.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be easy.
1: That's only because I still have reefer from when we left Illinois. <laughs> you do, yeah. Because I don't even know. I don't even know because the thing is the cat only sells it in grams, mm. so I don't really know how that goes. But I'm pretty sure I got like fucking over an ounce because A I, lot. yeah, because I don't know where the dispensaries and shit are here, yeah, or how easy it is to get some reefer. So I was yeah. like, I'm leaving with some buds.
0: Yeah, we got to figure that out too. Oh, uh, excuse uh, me. Yeah.
1: Oh Jesus. All right. All right. William is burping a whole bunch, so that's the end of the show. What the hell just happened to my body? I got to figure out how this thing works. I'm I'm 37. I think I'm going to start figuring it out now.
0: Calm down, Kyle Kane.
1: Please be as safe as possible wherever you act like Kyle Kane. <laughs>